0: You know what time it is. Dream, plan, execute, episode 20. This is your opportunity to learn from other individuals working on their entrepreneurial and project management dreams and how they implement their dream, plan, and execute. In this podcast, we'll explore the metaphysics of dreaming and how to follow and listen to your intuition. We'll explore strategies from project management, such as planning, writing down goals, scheduling, and budgeting. Then we'll move to execution. We'll explore topics such as operational efficiency, mental toughness, grit, and using an athletic mindset. I'm your host, Ramon Parchment. Stay tuned and enjoy the episode. Hey, Vanitya. How are you doing?
1: Hey, I'm doing very well. Thanks for asking. I'm excited to be here.
0: No, I'm excited to have you because one of the things that I would like to highlight on the Dream Plan and Execute podcast are individuals who embody that mantra. And we follow each other on Instagram and I've seen the amazing work you've done as a photographer, as a visual storyteller. And I just it would just not be right to not have you on the podcast to You know, tell us about your dream plan, execute, how you went about doing it. So for the listening audience, who is Venetia and how did you come to become a visual storyteller?
1: Yeah, well, I'm honored to be here. Um, It's always a pleasure to share my story. So um, my journey began as a child. Honestly, I feel like it was just something that I naturally gravitated towards. Um, my grandparents in particular, they always documented us growing up and we were able to look back on those memories, you know, laugh and, you know, joke about it and things like that. And so that's just something that we always did as a family. And so when I got old enough to get my hands on a camera, you know, it just came naturally to me. I was like, you know, I'm going to do the same thing. I want to, you know, recreate these moments or continue to create these moments of joy um, and just documenting my family's growth over the years. Um, So yeah, I I always had that in me, but it was until high school where I started studying journalism and where, you know, I learned more about how to apply myself, um, you know, with visual storytelling, with cameras, how to tell better stories, how to be a little bit more intentional with it. And then I continued that journey in college where I also studied journalism. And that's where I learned more about the technicalities. Literally, so it just evolved over the years.
0: (laughs) Well, that's amazing because, you know, your work is amazing. I've seen your work. Thank you. And obviously... Yeah, and it speaks for itself because you've been commissioned to do quite a few things. Essence Fest in um 2022, uh, Oprah Daily, mm-hmm. uh, Harlem Fashion Week, even took pictures for Ashanti for her book launch at the Brooklyn um, Museum, mm-hmm. Children's Museum. You know, I've seen your professional um, photography as it pertains to portraits, active photos for gym wear. I mean, the list goes on and on. And then, of course... You you know community social media manager so i've seen you you've taken your journalism skills from from high school and also college and then start to you know use it to tell visual stories with your photos and you can see the intent behind your photos and it's not just taking a shot but it's like what's the story i'm trying to tell absolutely and i just love that you um you kind of tapped into that early and kind of evolved through the the time and honed your skill mm-hmm. so so one of the things i wanted to ask was like how did you know that was going to be because everyone has this like you know you go to high school everyone someone's becoming a doctor someone's being a lawyer and not no knock to those professions right but this one specifically as a visual storyteller is not something that is typical in high school as a trajectory mm-hmm. no it may be, but not when we were growing up so how did you have that spark and know that was the thing you wanted to do
1: it was just something that i just couldn't not do like mm-hmm. i i could never stop thinking about it like i literally always had to have a camera with me so it's like something that if i tried to withhold it like I couldn't like, you know, so it's just like this beast within me that like, just couldn't be contained. Like I just had to do it. So it's like, I feel like if there's something in you that literally you can't stop thinking about, or like you literally cannot like physically resist doing, like, I feel like that's how, you know, you know, and then on top of that, when, you know, you, create like community around what you do. Like, you know, people, they're always requesting these services from me or asking me questions about it and things like that. So it's like, it became bigger than me as well. Then that passion aside, it became a thing that people, you know, came to me for help with. So I think that's how I knew that this was something that I should pursue.
0: So what you did um, and the the Japanese call it Ikigai, Hmm. which is, it's a it's a Japanese philosophy and basically it has four circles and in the intersection of those four circles is your ikigai. The four circles include what you love doing, what you're good at, what people need, and more and also important, what people are willing to pay you for, mm. right? At the intersection of that, that's your ikigai. That's when you're going to be in your flow state. That's when you're going to find your life's purpose in doing that. Right? Wow, I would
1: love to learn more about um, that.
0: Wow. Yeah, yeah, look into it. It's uh, once I recognized that, I saw it on my my LinkedIn at one point, and it just hit me like a ton of bricks. Mm-hmm. I was like, "This is some people kind of figure it out. They kind of just fall into the ikigai. Maybe personality wise, it might be their parenting growing up." Um, some people uh, need to be, you know, they just don't get to their ikigai. They did something that get paid well and they're good at, but they don't love it. You know, so it's always a mixed bag with people. But for you, you can tell from those stories that you tell on your in your photography work and just your general spirit when you're presenting stuff that you found your ikigai, which is important. Wow, so thank good. you. No, I appreciate it. Now, the one thing I wanted to ask you, though, is hmm, what was it like growing up in Florida? Because you're in New York now, but you you moved from Florida to come to New York. What what was that like? What was that whole experience, deciding to uproot yourself to come to New York?
1: Yeah, well, actually, it wasn't as drastic as a lot of people may think, because just growing up as Mm. a child, like... I was always involved in, you know, extracurriculars. I was just always a creative and, you know, always around so many different people. So I felt like the move, like I was able to adapt pretty easily. Um, But I will say that I was definitely exposed to a lot more when I moved to New York. Um, In Florida, like I said, I I did have freedom in, you know, exploring various things, but it kind of still was maybe like a little bubble or, You know, and then I was younger too. So um, moving to New York, I was in adulthood. So, you know, as an adult, you have a little bit more, um, you know, autonomy as well. But um, yeah, I say there's a stark difference between living in Florida and New York. But me personally, I was able to adapt pretty easily. Um, I will say the thing, the biggest difference for me was maybe like my... um, uh, what do you say? Not the personality, but maybe like just the, my, I guess my approach in like communicating with people, like I had to learn how to maybe communicate differently in New York to, you know, get what I wanted to, um, while I was here, um, because yeah, like I feel like there's more pressure here, you know, it's more of a hustle and bustle. And Florida is like, you know, la la land sometimes. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's differences. I still, you know, try to embrace the Floridian in me. I, you know, I I'm still a Floridian Southerner at heart, but New York has definitely been pivotal to my growth, especially as a professional. And I would say personally too, honestly. Um, When I moved to New York, it was my first flight ever. I had never been on a flight. I was, what, 22 years old. Um, So I didn't travel much. I um, wasn't exposed to, I feel like, as many cultural experiences as I have in New York. Um, So, yeah, once I moved here, it kind of just opened up a whole new, like, portal of, like, just life and living. And that's what I'm all about. Just, like, constantly discovering... um, ways to just live life better and get the most out of life so i feel like new york has definitely been that place for me but florida it kind of gives me a sense of peace so i try to get back as much as i can um but yeah gotcha. I, I, I say it's, it's been great so far it's been 10 years now
0: wow no it's it's new york is new york teaches you a lot there's a reason why this say new york tough mm-hmm. right people are about their business um they want to get to the point quickly um, especially in this you new know, new social media world, people want things just done quicker. Um, and it just it just works out a lot better having that New York experience and then going. You know, Frank Sinatra sure had it right. You can make it in New York. You can make it anywhere, right? Absolutely. So, <laughs> so that's that's good. know how did you like work breaking into storytelling? Ever, you know, people have a camera, but. I take pictures that don't look anything like the pictures you take, right? So how do you like go about mastering the craft of photography? And how do you break into the market? I mean, everyone has a camera. Everyone feels they're a, a visual storyteller. I, I take a picture. I feel like I can take a good picture. So how do you delineate yourself and go about actually establishing yourself as a visual storyteller?
1: Well, for starters, I feel like this can apply to across any industry, but literally just doing it consistently, like you get better the more you do it. So when I was starting out, like I said, when I moved to New York, I literally brought my camera everywhere and was shooting every chance I got. And so when I review the prior work that I did, I will always try to get better. You know, you always try to outdo yourself. So the more you shoot the more you'll learn from, you know, what you've done and then the better you get. So simply put, that's where you should start. And then in addition to that, surrounding yourself with other photographers or people who are doing similar things so you can learn from them as well. Um, I think you're doing yourself a disservice if you, you know, are working alone. You know, Um, I think it's always good to get feedback and learn from others so you can elevate your work. Um, you know, and not just work in a bubble. Um, So I think that's Mm -hmm. important too, to sharpen your skills that way and um, continue to invest in yourself and educate yourself. Um, You know, like we don't know everything. We're constantly learning. So or there's things that we're constantly um, being exposed to. Or I say you should work to constantly expose yourself to new things because, you know, first of all, like the tools and resources that were out when I first started You know they're old now so there's constantly new technology constantly new things coming out so you have to stay on top of that um and yeah continue to educate and invest in yourself so i would say those are some things to keep in mind and i would say particularly with photography as well lighting is honestly the most important thing you cannot make an image without good lighting so whether you're shooting on your phone or you know a top you know notch camera Like, if you don't have good lighting, it doesn't matter what equipment you use, you're not going to be able to master Mm -hmm. photography. So I think that's something that people overlook. They try to jump and get, like, the most expensive equipment or, you know, try to get the most beautiful model or, you know, shoot the best celebrity or, you know, whatever it is. But, again, if you do not understand lighting and how it affects, you know, what you're shooting, you're not going to get a good image. So... Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah well you know what it makes sense now why my photos just look regular because i never really considered <laughs> lighting um as important as you um you stress it's so, it. So important. One, the one thing i know is like okay mid uh, midday is harsh lighting so try your best to stay away from exactly. midday you want to do early morning or and that was it that 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 was my experience with lighting but um not That's a key right there. And those are the subtle details that a professional in boxing, even this is a game of inches, right? The difference between like a a professional boxer and someone who is recreational or even going professional is their ability to make slight changes. It's not, it's very subtle changes that they're doing and paying attention to that the other person is not. And so it makes sense why you're a professional photographer. To me, I would not have thought lighting was such a pivotal thing to get the photos it's to pop so the way important. they pop when yeah, you take.
1: So so important, and again, of course, there's other technicalities, you know, with the settings right. of the camera that can enhance it. But again, the foundation is literally the lighting.
0: <laughs> wow! Well, learn learn something today. That's good. Now. Client management, executing the plan, you know, clients can be tough. You know, they can, you know, how do you go about your client management? You get a new client, you know, they're like, yeah, I want you to take these photos. How do you manage scope creep and make sure that everyone's on the same page? How does that work for you?
1: I am so glad you brought this up because it is something that I think a lot of people overlook, Um. Because at the end of the day, we're providing a professional service. And if the client is not happy, if we're not delivering what the client needs, it doesn't matter how great your photos are. So right. um, I would say when a client first inquires, I first try to make sure that we are in alignment. Like, is this something that I feel like I can do my best at? Um, am I the right person for this? So I try to just have a consultation with them to you know, see exactly what their vision is, you know, what they're trying to accomplish, how they want to their images to fill and so forth, to make sure that I am the best person for the job. I think it's so important for you to not just be able to take a great image, but to be able to capture the the feelings that the client wants to evoke or um, accomplish the purpose, you know, that the client wants to use the images for. Um, so that's the first step. And then I, um, I, you know, talk them through like, you know, the environments, you know, that we're shooting and, you know, who's going to be there. What are the key moments that need to be captured? Um, again, how are you going to use these photos? So honestly, like the consultation really just learning about the client's wants and needs, that's a huge part of, um, servicing, uh, the clients, uh, with your photography before you even actually do the shoot, um <laughs> and then also no that's
0: true this true
1: yeah and then also making sure that i'm like having clear communication with the client so i make sure i have contracts for all of my clients everyone has contracts right. i walk them through everything in the call but i also put it in writing um i email them i use um a platform called pixie set where i manage everything all of the communication so everything's documented there's no gaps um so everyone's clear on exactly what they'll get what to expect and so forth and each client is different so everything isn't going to be you know like cookie cutter for each gig but Mm -hmm. at least you have like a framework um as well so yeah i I think that's extremely important to yeah make sure there's no questions (laughs) like no questions at all
0: (laughs) You know, I feel it. It's funny. Very different industries. Guy work in construction as a project manager. And it's the same thing. Like when I get proposals, I'm giving proposals to a client. Client management is client management. Mm-hmm. And the scope gaps, you know, delineating scope gaps, making sure everyone's on the same page. You'll be surprised how much times you think you're on the same page with someone, you know. And then you're not on the same page, right? So... It could be timing of when you, you're going to be doing the photo shoot. It could be how long it takes for you to edit and send the photos over to them. You know, when do you need it by, how, you know, all those things are, I think, essential to any sort of business that's service-based, right? So Yeah,
1: I think that's so important that you brought that up because I think there is a lot of misconceptions around, you know, when clients should expect, you know, their photos or... Um, how long it'll take to edit or how many photos they'll get. So these are all things that me as a professional, I need to take the initiative to present to them so they won't assume anything, you know, like again, leaving less questions. But yeah, like you said, it it is applicable to across industries.
0: Yeah, I just think, well, I know that I always say to my contractors like the first part of the word contractor is contract, right? (laughs) And in a contract scope is delineated and we agree on inclusions and exclusions right Mm -hmm. As long as we are on the same page i don't come into the space or thinking i'm going to get this and not get this and if 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 you need to remind me then you go back to your contract what what you were expecting to get you know so no it's very important but i wanted to ask you this though like how do you land commissions because you've done quite a few really good commissions Mm -hmm. how do you go about being a um, a photographer essence face. I I want to become a photographer. <laughs> How do you decide? You know
1: honestly, like <laughs> yeah. you know that phrase what they say is not, you know, what you know but who you know. Like honestly, that <laughs> is something that has helped me tremendously in my career. Um, especially recently, like, but it took time. Like I said, I've been right. shooting for at least a decade and um it's I had to build a network. I had to you know put myself out there constantly meeting people, working with others, having them refer me to other people, just getting out there, having people know my name and my work, and I have a lot of photographer friends again, going back to that point I made earlier about the importance of surrounding yourself with others in your industry is because they can mm-hmm. put you on too, you know, especially if you build good rapport with them so honestly, a lot of these gifts that I've had is because someone put my name or set my name in a room when I wasn't there, you know, and that's a beautiful Mm. thing. You know, obviously once you're in, my work has to speak for myself or for itself. Right. But, you know, so I set myself up with that hard work. And then if somebody refers me, it's like, Oh yeah. You know, it makes it easier on that client because they're like, Oh, you know, somebody put me on and her work is good. Okay. Yes. We want her. So, So yeah, honestly, that that's it. And just putting myself out, um, I have on like a various um, photography databases like Black Women Photographers, Diversify Photo, um, sharing on social media. Some people have found me on social media through like hashtags, so that still works. Honestly, I think within the last year, I've had like at least two or three clients say like, "Oh, I found you." Just on Instagram, scrolling on Instagram. I was like, oh, that's pretty dope. And this was like, I think for Hearst magazines, like they found me on Instagram and that's pretty huge too. And so I was just like, wow, like it's crazy to, I think that's it's also important to ask clients where they found you too, because that kind of helps you, you know, realize that, you know, what things are working Um, because a lot of times, you know, especially, you know, social media is considered so you know, saturated or whatever, and you think it's not working. Right. You're like, oh, nobody's going to see me this and that. But it's like, actually, people are seeing you. You know, it might just take a little time, but, or maybe you're not asking, you know, how people found you, but like, you no, know, these things work. So I literally just taken advantage of, number one, making good connections with people. And then two, continuing to put myself out there, whether or not I'm seeing immediate results or not.
0: No, that's amazing. I think- the large majority of the times people have a good idea. That's why I like the mantra dream plan execute because you have the dream. A majority of people have a really good dream. So, you know, I would say 50% would get to the planning stage, but the hardest part of that whole mantra is executing. Like, you know, it's actually doing what you intended to do for a prolonged period of time to get I the I completely result, right? agree with
1: that. I am not the best executor. <laughs>
0: It's hard. It's the it is literally the hardest part of the whole thing, you know. But that's where that's where the um that's what the the plan and the dream part was supposed to help with the execution, mm-hmm. right? Uh, everyone has execution hurdles and struggles. Every single body. I uh, even if you talk to Beyonce, you know she could tell you. <laughs> the the times when she felt like she couldn't do it, right? I'm sure.
1: But now she has a team, so so I'm I'm looking to get to that point where I have a team to help me execute.
0: (laughs) Right. So what execution hurdles did you find? And you say you have certain struggles with execution. What do you find is the hardest part about the execution and how do you go about resolving it? As best as you can.
1: Honestly, what I just said, like just being like the Mm -hmm. only person for the most part that's like working on my business or my ideas, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I'm at the point where I want to be able to invest in more resources, more people to help me, and I'm pretty sure there are people. There's people who maybe be willing to volunteer their time, but like I, I don't necessarily feel comfortable like asking people to volunteer their time, and I know a lot of people have things going on but honestly yeah the resources right. that's been the biggest hurdle like and financially just you know doing what makes the most sense in the money you know i mean in the moment for <laughs> yep. um financially and not dedicating enough of that time cuz you're spending so much time like physically putting in work you know right. on other things like the planning or you know actually yeah, like making the money, whatever. And it's yeah, hard no, to I execute yeah. on other things um, because it's, it's very exhausting, honestly. Um, so I would just say, like, just having that time freedom, like, that's one of my goals. is just, like, build a team, you know, start doing less physical work so I can focus on, <laughs> you know, just automating more things or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I'd say that's the biggest thing, just time and energy. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, I, I I get it. I mean, you know, that's the part of. It's funny you said that because, that's the part of a skill trade. Like what you do is very similar to like, the same feeling you have is the same feeling a local plumber would have or a local carpenter would have, right? You want to scale your business, but you're you're spending the time having to do the physical work while trying to scale your business exactly. Right? And it's very hard to do because, you know, your time is tied to um, doing the execution while also having to do the client relations. So what you're trying to do is probably get a couple of persons to execute while also um, being able to do the part of the business that needs your most attention to scale, which is getting more clients on the board, right? Um, yeah. That, that's tough. It's a hard. I've had a, quite a few uh, business persons on the podcast, and their way of doing that is, of course, trying to get people on the, underneath them, but it's hard. It's a hard process. You know, you really have to, um, I would think, you really have to get interns to cover the work that you're doing and just manage them doing the work. Because you see, the thing is, people willing to give up their time. If there, there's an end goal for free, if there's an end goal that they're going to receive from doing it for free, right? So if working with a – like if Beyonce, for instance, if Beyonce came to me or someone, Jay-Z came to me and be like, listen, you can going to work for free for me and you're going to be my administrator. In a heartbeat, I'll do it. Why? Because I'm going to learn something that uh, – or even Warren Buffett. I'm going to learn something that I wouldn't have gotten. A, it's free Very education, true. right? Yeah. So I would – it's how you picture to people. Like, don't you? They they want to need to see it half empty. They need to see it half full. And at that point, you know, they they someone coming to work. Like, even when I come to work, I don't come to work as an employee. I come to work as Ramon Parchment LLC. I I work for a company, yes, but I'm advocating for myself at all times, right? And if there is something that needs to be done, there is going to be a negotiation. I don't mind going to my boss or talking to them about raises or anything else because I'm going to always advocate for Roman parchment LLC. Right? I love that. Yeah. So in, even though I'm in the company, I see myself as an entrepreneur versus an employee. Your mindset completely changes at that point. You don't feel like I have a boss and they're on top of me and, I can't voice my opinion. No, you're your own contractor. You just happen to work for these individuals. They're your client. There's a scope gap. I'm willing to fill the scope gap, but there's a price. (laughs) Yeah,
1: that is such an important note that you made about looking at yourself as an entrepreneur. Um, I've definitely learned my lessons in the past. Like I've spent so much time just solely focusing on the company's mission. And then when they're done with me, I'm left with nothing. So now when I'm working for other people, you know, I always think like, yes, how can I best apply myself, you know, because I am working for this person. But what can I also, you know, benefit from or enrich myself, you know, um, from so when I leave, I can be better, you know, and apply it to my own thing
0: yeah it's always it's always tough to see that 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 silver lining in a in a position that you're in. For me, like I'm in Minnesota at the moment. I live in New York last week. this week, I just came back. I was in Omaha um, mainly because we have projects out of town. Uh, when this opportunity came in my direction. Majority of the persons weren't interested in it because you have to, you know, make a sacrifice, leave, go to something outside of the, the norm of your life. And it's uncomfortable, but I had really no qualms in doing it as long as my needs were met. Right. And I voiced those needs openly and professionally. And if you can meet the needs or make an effort to hear, you know, what those needs are and try to make a best effort to match it. In Jamaica, we have a saying, closed mouths don't get fed. So I'm going to talk. But <laughs> <So> <laughs> it's, it's just making sure, like, you're always advocating for yourself. And you feel better, too, you know, mm-hmm. because, you know, you don't feel like someone's taking advantage of you, right? Um, so it's it's always good. And we're all growing and learning. So I I, I know from just the work that you're doing, there are going to be people that come into your life who's going to help you scale your business to the next level that you're looking for, and as you can see, that's the dream right? You want to run your own photography studio right
1: That is an idea. I'm not sure if right. or when, but yes, that is an idea
0: <laughs> got you, got you so how did you know your signature strength and how did you go about um identifying? that was your strength versus your weakness? Like, how did you figure that out? So how did I
1: distinguish between my strengths and weaknesses? Um, yeah. The confidence that I have <laughs> mm. in, in, in something. Um, and then also, I think what has helped me identify my strengths is again, um, looking to, toward my community and what they um, try to help me accomplish. Um, right yeah uh, going to my community and asking them like hey you know what would you you know reach out to me for what do you think I'm good at and things like that Mm -hmm. Um, weaknesses let's see and honestly I think with the weaknesses something that helps me identify those is maybe something that I don't actively practice um, enough Mm -hmm. you know you can't get stronger if you don't work at something and build it. So I think that kind of helps distinguish it as well.
0: Speaking of working is, you know, part of the podcast uh, description is using an athletic mindset, right? And I can see that you're an avid athlete. You skate, you do, you're also a dance instructor, you know, on top of all the other things you're doing, you find time to work out, keep in shape, and just um keep your your body in shape and also I'm sure it translates to keeping your mind in shape. Was that always something were you always um athletic growing up or is it something that you grew into later on in your life?
1: Yeah, I was always athletic, like I'm trying to remember how old I was, maybe from the age of like seven or something. Um my dad, he um put me and my brother in sports. I did cheerleading, I did track, basketball, volleyball step team, dance team, literally from, you know, elementary through high school, I was always involved in some kind of extracurricular activity. And my dad, you know, Mm. he, he went to college for football and things like that. So like, it was just a big sports active, you know, family. So I'm definitely grateful to have been exposed to that. Um, So I've always, I guess, had a pretty active lifestyle, but of course, as you get older, you start to be a little bit more intentional about being active. Mm. So, um, you know, throughout my journey here in New York, you know, with all the stresses and stuff that I was dealing with, I was like, you know what? I need to like intentionally get involved in something active. So that's when I, you know, joined a dance studio and that kind of helped me, you know, gain some kind of, you know, just outlet, you know, cause I was always working. So dance like was that outlet for me and it improves my health at the same time. So.
0: Right. No, that's amazing. And I, I love working out. I think people see me working out and be like, where do you find the time? I was like, it helps me deal with the high stresses of life, right? For me, it's just that one moment where I'm not worried about anything else going on. All the fires, the drills that's going on, they can wait until this moment is done, right? For now, I think people get that in the show, but for some reason, yeah, well, I know the reason. It's, you know, your dopamine is high. You're getting something done. So your dopamine is high. Your serotonin is high because you're listening to music. You know, you're doing, you know, you feel good. I think half of high blood pressure is the fact that you're not sweating enough because high blood pressure is, you know, excess fluid in your system. I think sweating, the activity of sweating, you're literally sweating. To me, I always feel like I'm sweating away my stress. I love
1: it. You know, That's a good so, way to look at that.
0: Yeah, and it's just you know we're we're meant to move, man. You, just think about how how much fun kids have. Kids do a, a couple of things well, right? They're always playing and having fun, meaning moving. They get regular naps. They get enough sleep, right? And you know they they're always in community with themselves, with you know playing with other kids or trying to you know have fun, and I think. As we go along in our life, we strip ourselves of that. You know, you become a professional, which is important, right? I think that childlike wonder is lost and you just exist and not have fun, you know? Yeah, that's
1: literally my life's goal now is to just live more, like unlock those youthful desires, get back to Mm -hmm. them. Um, I think that's so, so, so important
0: yeah i always in my mind i think dream I always say dream frictionless like dream like when you were a kid right Yes. this dream and then the the skill of being an adult is that you can plan more thoroughly that's what you learn, exactly so use that life experience to plan your frictionless dream well mm-hmm. and just stay consistent with the execution yeah that's the biggest thing that's good yeah, because I think people get stuck at different parts. Like, for instance, a contractor, like a plumber or a carpenter, you know, anytime you get, like, guys inside your house who are contractors, they so, they just seem miserable, right? And you're like, why are they miserable? Cause they're always on the execution end of things. They're dreams that they have that they're not doing. They're just doing the work because they need to do the work. I find some people are good dreamers, but they don't do the execution part. So they have a great idea, but they never really put it into fruition. And then you have the analysis paralysis where you have an idea, you start planning it and you over plan it. And you plan and plan and plan, you plan to cook. You know, I got the recipe, but now it's time to put fire under the stove, put on the stove, you know, and start cooking with grease, like yeah. doing the actual activity, you know. Yeah, I'm more so. of that
1: analytical person. That's that's what I lean toward.
0: <laughs> well, it's good, it's good, because I'm I'm an engineer. Well, I study engineering by profession, right? And that's what you do all the time. It's just like go over the numbers, go over the things, make sure the plan is right. But there's just a tenacity that is lost the things that are lost. you learn more by doing type deal elon proved it with spacex what he did different than nasa was he failed fast and failed often he just built the rockets and just kept building it it's expensive to do it like this but he built the rockets they blew up okay they blew up because the fuel tank wasn't secured properly all right they secured the fuel tank and kept doing it where NASA's approach was let's try and figure out everything on paper first and then build it. So either one works, you know, it's just the, the main crux of doing anything is executing. So, and everyone has that struggle. It's not just you, everybody. So that's good, man. It's, um, It's something that I think my reason for doing the podcast is just trying to highlight those dynamics and seeing where you are. Are you a planner more than an executor? Do I need to execute more, you know, type deal. But how do you deal with low energy moments? And like, who do you listen to for motivation or speak to, you know, when things aren't going exactly according to plan?
1: So low energy moments, I start to embrace them more, honestly. Like I try not to force myself to do, I guess, high energy things during my low energy moments. I try to see what aligns with the energy that I have or the pace that I'm at, um, in the moment, you can still be productive or get things done with low energy. You just might have to switch up the tasks that you're actually doing during that time. Um, and I feel like I'm always up for the most part anyways. So when I'm lower energy. I'm like, you know, it's, it's cool. It's cool. Um, but honestly, I'm just involved in my church. Um, that kind of uplifts me, um, you know, surrounding myself with people who, you know, motivate me internally as well. And personally, not just, you know, professionally, um, I would say my parents as well. They've been my biggest like motivators, um people i look to when i need advice and things like that to keep it going because um you know they've seen my growth, you know, from when i was born to now and i think they just have a really good perspective. They kind of help you bring help bring you back to reality. Like they're very realistic mm-hmm. about, you know, routes you can take or or things you know you've done. It kind of helps bring me back to reality. Um yeah, so those are a couple things.
0: So you would say like if you had a bad day, you would call your your dad, your mom. Would, who who would you call if you're like things is going completely crazy and I need to talk to somebody? Who's that person you call?
1: Um, there's a couple people. Like I said, I have some really close friends. It could be my nice. mom, my sister. I talk to my sister a lot. Mm. We're about what, four or five years apart but we're really close. Yeah, yeah, so just people who I feel like will literally listen, um, actively listen, um, motivate me, but also give me some constructive feedback as well. Um, And just let me know that it's going to be okay. You know, at the end of the day, a lot of times, you know, we're hard on ourselves, but it's good to have that person to talk to Um, again, to bring you back down to reality, to give you praise. And then also, you know, just remind you that, Hey, you know, you're doing okay, but this is what you can do. Um, next time, you know, sometimes things get blurred when we try to sort things out by ourselves all the time. I do think that alone time is important in a sense, but a lot of times we get in our head, you know, so much and we just need, you know, a second opinion, um, to help us think through it.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. All right, one of the things I believe millennials like ourselves struggling versus our previous generation is community. We, um, we our previous generation recognized there was strength in numbers. Um, it took a village to raise a kid. They had mantras like that when I was growing up, and I think. <clears throat> you get out of college and you know, you want to strive and you want to do it on your own. You want to be your own person and that's good and dandy, but you it's such a better feeling doing it with good, well-intentioned persons. I always think of like those birds were fly- migrating. They could fly individually and they might make it by themselves, but it's such a struggle versus flying in that V-shaped pattern. You know, each person is cutting some of the breeze off, you know, the next bird, they switch positions and, you know, you have a community driving at the goal, which is getting over to wherever they're going, the Pacific, wherever they're coming from, right? And I think typically we just, we forget that. <laughs> we forget that there's, it's okay to have a bad day, especially as a, like yourself, a high achieving person. And just from your photography, I can tell that you pay attention to details. So it's hard sometimes as a high achieving person to go, okay, well, let me just, you know, talk to somebody and see, you know, what their opinion on the matter is. Right. And that's good. Any person you, you know, admire photography wise that you, you know, you appreciate the work that they do.
1: I would say it's a couple people. I mean, there's, I draw inspiration from so many different photographers um I would say one that comes to mind is actually um someone I went to college with, and i, I don't I don't oh, think it's a yeah. bad idea to look up to your peers in a sense as well, but he he actually moved to New York around the same time that I did, and he's like just thriving in photography now um, um but his name is Andre Laroe and he's like a portrait lifestyle photographer um and also an educator now as well a photography educator but his work is just so pure like he just does this amazing job of like capturing the souls of like people just storytelling um just really just making you feel connected and seen and like that's something that I strive for in my work Um, and he's, he's also huge on community as well. So he actually was the one that kind of helped me, you know, create community earlier on in my career, um, you know, through photo walks and things like that. And just, it's just amazing just to see how he's, you know, grown in his career. And now he's like, you know, I'm pretty sure he's the person that he looked up, he would have looked up to when he first started. So that's just beautiful to see. Um, And then also I would say Jessie um, J, she's a photographer. She does mostly like beauty and fashion type photography, even though that isn't necessarily my lane, but I just love her drive. Um, And I just love that you can see the joy in what she does. And I think it's important as photographers, as professionals to um, love what we do. And it's even better when we are able to see that through your work. I feel like you can truly see, you know, a a glimpse of someone, you know, through their work. And that's something that I also work to apply in my photography, too. Like when you look at my photos, I want you to like know what kind of person I am or be intrigued at least to get to know me through my through my work. Um, There's yeah, those are two that come to mind right now.
0: No, you're doing a good job of it because I saw you work and I was like, oh, she does very good work. And I mean, we live in a, an era where there's so much photography out there, right? Mm-hmm. So for you to, someone to see your work in all of this photography going on, everyone has a camera on their phone and I say, okay, there's a difference in what this person is doing versus the rest. It's hard. It's much harder than any other time We've had before, right, so you're doing it you're you're on that path you're doing exactly what you said you would you know you want I can see the attention to detail in your work yeah,
1: thank you so much and it,
0: yeah, and it presents itself through the commissions that you've been having you know and just keep doing your thing uh well how I'm sure it's hard to of course client management execution working out finding healthy foods in New York to eat. <laughs> And, like, baking in that time to, you know, be a healthy eater. How do you balance that? Because you're also pretty um, big on healthy eating also.
1: Well, now I am. But I would say it's really <laughs> hard. It was really hard in the beginning, again, because, like, I was, like, in a hustle hustle culture. I'm, I'm trying to move away from that. But, like, constantly hustling, always working, always hopping from gig to gig, And not having time to really eat. So you literally just go and pick up anything. But I've made that a priority. Like you literally have to decide that you're going to make it a priority. Mm -hmm. Um, So I cook more at home than I've ever done in my life. (laughs) So honestly, (laughs) I don't eat out as much. And when I do eat out, I, you know, I know what my body needs. So I try to choose those healthier choices. Um, and I realized that, you know, it's not only beneficial to be active, like you have to pair that with a good, you know, diet, well, I'm going to say diet, but just healthy eating habits. Um, so yeah, I would say you have to plan ahead. I guess that goes, you know, with your um, motto, like you literally have to plan ahead in order to execute those healthy eating lifestyle because you know like you're constantly on the go you don't like sometimes i'm gone for like 10 hours and so i have to either you know pack things or unless i'm going to get off track if i don't plan ahead and then i feel yucky at the end of the day if i don't plan ahead um but yeah i've learned to literally plan ahead go i have a, a schedule now i go grocery shopping every sunday Like, just, (laughs) I pack my snacks. I try to, you know, prep a little bit of my um, ingredients ahead of time. So when I get home and I'm tired after a long day, I'm not tempted to order out. I can literally just throw what I prepped in the pan really quick. And so literally just planning has helped me. And also realizing that eating out is so freaking expensive. Like, there was one time I analyzed my Budget. And I was just like, completely embarrassed. I was like, nobody else saw it, but I was embarrassed for myself in front of myself because of how much money I was spending on food. And I was like, okay, if I'm trying to build this empire with my business, I gotta, I can't be doing this. So.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I know, New York punishes you for going outside. It really does. It's so expensive. Mm-hmm. anything that requires food that's not cooked by you is expensive outside these days um, and sometimes
1: it's not even as I, good as if you make it yourself or sometimes it's a hit or miss so you're better off cooking yourself right. anyway
0: 100 <laughs> percent. no, 100%. no you're, you're absolutely right and one of the things that happened to me moving out uh to minnesota is that i, I really became big on cooking for myself in new york it was hard it's just the time was just hard for me. I was commuting two 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 and a half hours back and forth between being in the city and going home, and I would just stop at whatever I could find to eat and just eat right and it's just I'm working out hard, but I'm not seeing the results I wanted to see and The moment you make that switch and just you know like you said, plan ahead and meal prep a bit and I don't love cooking but I love eating, which is a problem. (laughs) So I, um, I started finding fast ways to make, um, quick recipes, Uh, you know, for me, my quickest recipe is chicken thighs that are skinless and boneless. I buy it at the store, I season it, I put it in the oven. I don't have to manage it on the stove. I get the kale, I put the kale inside, you know, on the plate, sweet peppers, um, uh, some a little bit of nuts because I like that texture difference, mm-hmm. and I put um cranberries in there, a little bit of blue cheese, pop the chicken on it. Done. I'm done. Oh, that sounds so good, especially those time. sweet
1: peppers. Oh, that sounds Ooh. so good. Yeah, my go to is like a stir fry, like I do like the okay. skinless chicken breasts as well. Um, I'll cut mm. those up into cubes, you know, put some peppers in there. Um, I like. I like teriyaki sauce. I like, you know, Asian inspired dishes. Um, nice. So I'll do a stir fry, add some veggies in it. And then rice, there you know, you rice is pretty simple. You know, put the rice and then throw the stir fry over it. Um, oh, that's yeah. good.
0: <laughs> oh, that's good. No, man, it's good. Man. I it, And you feel, you know, what's funny? You feel so much better because you know you prepared it, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, you're saving money. Absolutely, because you, you're the one preparing it, and you know, you're looking at your budget, you're looking at your expenses. It's going down. You have more money to buy equipment or uh, make that extra trip to a different client because you have the money mm-hmm. for it. You know, you're worried about credit cards because you're paying them off um, and you're reducing that debt. You know, it, it's so it's so funny. I remember we were talking earlier about those subtle things that make you a professional. It's like subtly changing your eating habits, open up so much other things outside of just eating, right? So, but no, it's good. Uh, I know you dance for um, to unwind, but what other things do you do for fun, um, different than dancing to you know get o- get outside of work and just you know get outside of the process of working?
1: Um, skating. I love active things. Um, I like, honestly, just taking a stroll outside and getting some fresh air, like in the park or something. I like, you know, simply just hanging with a small group of friends, um, just having great conversations, laughing, um, karaoke, like literally just continuing to just enjoy life, like the little things, like, and it's, it's even better when you're doing it with people that you feel refreshed around so I can literally go anywhere if I'm, it could be by myself or if I'm with someone who just, you know, it makes me feel like I don't have a worry in the world. Like <laughs> um, right. I'm down true. to do it, but like, yeah, I like discovering new things. But again, like the simple things are just hanging with a small group of people, even you know going out to dinner just enjoying company laughing there has to be laughter involved um <laughs> on that note comedy shows are something that i've been getting more into as well so yeah
0: that's good in you know, that you said laughter cuz i think that's we we lose that becoming adults like we just don't laugh as we remember being like how much times you were laughing and its a—it's an active verb. You do things that make you laugh. You know, laughing is active—something you do. You know, and I find, like, even when I moved from Jamaica to here, in Jamaica, Jamaican people are just so expressive with everything that I would just be—even just being around my friends, I would be dying with laughter just on so them like, explaining a story, and. It, you know, you come here and, you know, you have your cultural differences. And, of course, you know, you're keeping your professional tone. You're doing that. And you just lose, unless you have very good friends, the moments where you're just, like, your belly ache from laughing, you know? So, yeah, I think that a couple comedy shows is very, very, it's money well spent. That's what I'm saying. Absolutely. And money well spent. So how can we find you? You know, I, we want to take you know photos? Person want to do professional you know portraits or active where companies want to work with you. Where can we find you social media wise?
1: Yeah, I'm all over the internet. Unfortunately, um, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but yeah, my first and last name literally everywhere at Vanicia Carswell. That's V-O-N-E-C-I-A. C-A-R-S-W-E-L-L on Instagram, on X now that they call it. Um, yeah. on <laughs> my website is com. My email is hi at com. You can Google me if you don't remember everything. But yeah.
0: <laughs> now you do a good job of it because the moment I pop your name it, 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 it literally comes up at the top. You know, so whoever, if you're managing your SEO, you're doing a great job.
1: Thank it's you, definitely, thank you. Yeah, I'm you know, so grateful that nothing crazy really comes up when you Google my name.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, your online presence is amazing. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Uh, I know it's you know not always the easiest thing to come on a podcast and you know speak about vulnerabilities and things that you're working through you know everybody wants to you know have that you know picture perfect image but it's important that you know that young inspiring high school photographer who's on the fence should I continue what is it like being a photographer in New York here's your voice and here's you you know charting the way and um keep doing the amazing work you're doing and if no one's giving you your flaws, which I'm sure people are giving you flaws, I'll give you your flaws. Your work is amazing. Um, I follow you on Instagram. And it's just Always, you make me smile by just scrolling through my Instagram feed. Like, oh, that's dope. She's working oh, over I'm so there. i so glad to know Alaska.
1: that. Thank you. That means a lot.
0: Yeah. No, you're doing the work. You know, you actually, What my my Instagram crush is Ashanti. So when you took pictures of Ashanti, I was like, that oh, she's so working. That is <laughs>
1: so
0: No, it's good, man. Oh, wonderful. You, you're doing the- So you got, just keep doing your thing. And I'm sure there are other persons you're inspiring without knowing that you're inspiring, all right?
1: Yeah, thank you so much again for having me. I think this is a beautiful thing that you're doing. Um, And I've learned so much as well, just having this conversation with you. And I'm excited and motivated to keep pushing until I make my dream um, a reality.
0: (laughs) There you go. All right, it was a pleasure. Thank you for coming on again, okay?
1: All right. You're welcome. Have a good day.
0: Have a good day. We've come to the end of the episode. Always remember the road to greatness is long and hard. Always focus on progress over perfection. Execute relentlessly. Like, share, and subscribe, and I'll see you soon. Keep safe.